0: Orphaned at age 10 by a violent home invasion, Susanna Faulkner grew up wild, her stubbornness the only thing harder than her heart.
1: Since then, she's used her skills to put a boot in the faces of those who deserve it.
2: She knows she's wired wrong, but she's determined to wring something decent from the world before she leaves it. Never Go Home from Christopher Swan drops August 9th. Welcome to Moments of Truth, the show about my favorite moments from my favorite things. I'm Bill Coffin, and today we'll be discussing one of the longest-running science fiction shows in television history, and also one of the top pop culture phenomenon of the 1990s, The X-Files. With its iconic opening music and legendary tagline of The Truth is Out There, The X-Files told the story of FBI special agents Fox Mulder and Dana Scully. Mulder, a believer in UFOs and the paranormal, is stuck in career purgatory, investigating so-called X-Files, the FBI's unsolved and unexplainable cases. But Mulder relishes the role and is making waves, so Dana Scully, a trained medical doctor and skeptic, is assigned to partner with Mulder and report on his activity to the top brass, ostensibly to discredit Mulder's findings and Mulder himself. But it doesn't take long for Mulder and Scully to trust each other as they go through case after case of weird, creepy, and paranormal phenomena that explore some aspect of folklore, mythology, cryptids, psychic powers, the afterlife, aliens, and more. Along the way, they make enemies with the Syndicate, a shadow government covering up the truth about extraterrestrial life on Earth. And they make unlikely allies out of their boss, assistant director Walter Skinner, the conspiracy theorists known as the lone gunmen, and a shadowy informant known as Deep Throat. Inspired by shows such as The Twilight Zone, The Outer Limits, and Kolchak, The Night Stalker, The X-Files ran for nine uninterrupted seasons from September 1993 through May 2002. A feature film, Fight the Future, came out in the summer of 1998 between seasons five and six. Another feature film, I Want to Believe, came out in 2008, picking up where the show left off after season nine. The show then revived for a 10th season in 2015 and an 11th season in 2018. Will there be additional seasons of movies? Who knows? The X-Files made superstars out of its leads, David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson, as well as the show's creator, Chris Carter, and its various writers. It utterly dominated the pop culture scene for the better part of the 1990s, And even now, simply whistling the theme song has become an earworm for anyone wanting to suggest the presence of an unsolvable mystery or just general spookiness. The show culturally mainlined the topic of alien conspiracy theories and conspiracy theories in general and paved the way for other shows like Supernatural and Lost. There are two kinds of people in this world, X-Files fans and people who know X-Files fans. There is no third category, and if ever there was, our memories of it have surely been erased by aliens. Anyway, I'm excited to talk about the show, so let's get into it. With me today is the former cigarette smoking man, Chris Crenshaw.
3: Truth may be out there, but you're never gonna know it.
2: The poorly manicured man, Tom Hespos. It's the smoking man in this episode. <laughs> and FBI assistant director to FBI assistant director, Joe Pace.
0: What's on that, on that VHS tape? Don't don't put that in there. Don't put don't play. <laughs>
2: Welcome, everybody. This is, a, this is a cool episode. We've been talking about this one for a long period of time. I've been excited to, to, to jump into it because uh, this gave me an, an opportunity to, to look at some of the old ones that I've been remembering for like years and years and years. And um, I'm going to kick things off by talking about an episode that really was the one I remembered the most and and I really just adored. It's part of a, a two parter in season one. It's, it's, it's season one, episode three called Squeeze. In season one, episode twenty-one, called "Tombs," and it's a two-shot. There, it's like two different Monster of the Week episodes dealing with the same monster. Who's this guy named Eugene Tombs? Who's a serial killer who appears to have been born in eighteen seventy-six? Has all these funky mutant powers, like he can like stretch and contort his body so he can like get into really small crawl spaces. He can like climb a walls like Spider-Man. He's got these weird bilious yellow eyes, and he like attacks people with his bare hands, kills them pulls out their their livers and eats them and he needs to eat like five livers every 30 years so he can then like build a cocoon and go into hibernation again like who just... eats livers
0: by the way like <laughs> livers is the
2: worst choice it, it's terrible it's terrible but 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 he was just this great super creepy villain this is one of the episodes i remember seeing when it when it first ran and it just stuck with me really hard because i just love the notion of like this guy they never in some of the best tradition of the x-files there's no real backstory story for who he is or where he came from. Like he, they they figure out how long he's been around for. They have no theory as to what made tombs the way he is. He's just this he's just this guy who can't be explained by science from a previous age. He would have been chalked up to something supernatural. He just sort of falls in between the cracks of all these abilities to explain him and he's just he's played perfectly by this actor named Doug Hutchinson who parentheses Later fell from grace because he married a 16-year-old. And we're not even going to get into it. So we're going to move on. I know, right? (laughs) So, God. Yeah, yeah. It's super creepy. But he was in these episodes well before that all happened. That happened in 2011. These episodes came out in like like 1993. But he plays the role of Eugene Toomes perfectly. as just this weird, sweaty, creepy, bug-eyed dude who is able to kind of pass as a human. You know and and just sort of walk around he's got a job with local like he's like he's like the local pest removal guy for the city and he's like that great bad guy who you know you can't you know he's the bad guy but you can't prove he's a bad guy so you can't really go after him like the bad guy you know and that's even proved you know at the beginning of the second episode in the first episode he's been killing people and fox and moulder catch up to him and they, they capture him they lock him away and when we return to him he's like you know on the verge of escaping he's trying to like stick his arm out of the food slot of his cell you know he's going to get out but shocker he, he doesn't have to escape because they're going to let him out on his own like it's one of these like classic well the, you know molder's molder's account of what he did is so outlandish they don't believe it this guy's just he's just very mild-mannered he attacked Dana scully because the fbi was mean to him or whatever right it's just, like all this like travesty of of justice and he and he gets out and you're like, oh my God, you've seen what you can do already. And it's a super, super frustrating and, and, and horrifying. But I think for me, the moment of truth, this whole thing, and it's a classic and what they call the monster of the week episodes, right? Where about two thirds of the episodes of the show were basically one-offs, right? Where Mulder and Scully, they're out somewhere, they come across something, there's some sort of, you know, <laughs> boogeyman that's behind it all. And they gotta figure out what it is and, and neutralize it, right? Tombs is like the first monster of the week. I and mean, one of my absolute favorites, cause he was just so, so, so creepy. At the end of the first episode, um, you know, he, he's locked away in a sanitarium and you see him, there's this really st- creepy image of him taking these magazines and sort or newspapers and just tearing strips off of them and licking them and just like throwing them into a corner, making this massive like paper mache cocoon for himself. And it's just like so odd and just it so so
1: unnerving so creepy looking yeah, 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 man it was yeah, just yeah, like yeah. it was such a weird touch and you're like yeah
0: right yeah and you make a great point you make a great point bill which is that we were also excited watching the x-files as it unfolded to see episodes that advance the mythology and like yeah. that's the whole bare naked ladies i hope the smoking man's mm-hmm. in this one <laughs> and but as i went back and watched it you know 15 20 years in the future the monster of the week ones were the fun episodes they really Those were, were the episodes that generally. were the most fun to watch yeah and and so ones like this where you're yeah. like oh man like this is a one-off this is a the whole you know yeah. in search of and like yeah. that's where the, the the jazz is in these episodes
3: I, I think that uh what you said bill about often how mulder and scully would wouldn't even get into where powers came from or where these monsters came from you know it was just it, it happens the stuff happens yeah. in this universe and you can't figure it all out no matter what and that's really i think important the the, the how the frequency with which it happens is really important to the feel of the show i think because there's yeah. always a bit of mystery left unsolved
0: Yeah. Almost always in
3: in my, in my example episode, for example. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And
2: the X-Files is not universally great. Like there's a lot of episodes that are just kind of, you know, middling to marginal. Sure. There were a lot of monster of the week episodes that were kind of undone by all of a sudden they just decided, well, we need to give Mulder three minutes to kind of shoehorn this big theory and how it all happened. And it's like, sometimes it worked best when it simply wasn't explained yeah. and tombs was not explained. They could just barely wrap their hands around the magnitude of what he was, let alone figuring out how the hell he got that way. And I just love that so much. And sometimes
0: you want to believe, but also the truth is out there, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, seriously, oh, yeah. no, like, no, for true. Yeah. Sometimes the truth is just out there and you're never going to find it it's yeah. just out there.
3: Yeah. And other times it's just way, way out there, <laughs> way, way, out out there. Out there. <laughs> way out there,
2: way out there.
1: They but really I mean, nailed it with this guy, though. Like the actor, yeah, that absolutely, did, yeah. like you know, like some of these monsters of the week, you want to see people interrogated and you want to see like hit them get to the bottom of this. You're like,
2: Yeah,
1: I like leaving this one a little bit vague because yeah, this is super yeah. creepy. It's you know, the, the guy well, yeah. like looks just strange and off. Yeah. Like, he, he, like, if he didn't have supernatural cat powers, he would be a serial killer
0: anyway. Like, that's
2: right. Kind of thing, well, you know? well, it seems and, like the monster that weeks it fell, fell into, like,
0: instead of his mind. Yeah, yeah
2: I, I think the monster of the week kind of fell in, for me, they seem to fall into three fairly big buckets, right? One was just simple, like we pulled some piece of, you know, the paranormal, you know, kind of canon, and we're just going to build something off of it. And we're just going to, you know, examine it in, in this, the structure of the show. And then there were some that were just, there's just to be funny, right? Where, where, where they're, just, they're just, they're sending something up, and they decided just to have fun with something. And they're kind of like, you know, a, you know, comedy relief, right? Uh, but then there's that third bucket where, they just get disturbing. Right. And they just bring in somebody who's just, just super creepy. And it wasn't like a show full of jump scares. Just sometimes it could be deeply unsettling. Right. And on the monsters of the week, there were a couple, and I'm not going to steal any thunder from anybody else in the show here, but like there were a couple of great villains who were kind of like Eugene Toombs. Like there's an episode called beyond the sea where Brad Doreef, uh, plays this, Love like him. this death row inmate. He, he's got psychic powers. And he's kind of like channeling that guy he was in The Exorcist 3, you know? And exactly. He's just, like, he just has got this like Hannibal Lecter kind of like creepiness that you can't touch. And like he was really chilling. And um, there's another episode called Paper Hearts that was later in the, later in the series. Um, Mulder is sparring with this serial killer who, Mike Mulder's having dreams that are pointing, they're pointing out to the location of a, a body of a young girl who turns out to be a an unidentified victim of the serial killer he put away many years before and they realized this guy has actually killed more people than he admitted to one of them might be Mulder's long lost sister and so Mulder like goes Fair after time. this guy uh, yeah and and this and that episode is really light on the paranormal like the paranormal is really why is Mulder able to dream where bodies are right but but the, the the bad the monster of the week is simply a human monster right but like when they get they get into human monstrosity the show really takes off and you, you, and you get that with even though tombs is clearly mutant there's a humanness to his monstrosity that i
0: really really love well but bill we'll get there in the sense that like it's important where this show lands in our technological development in the sense mm. that like this lands yeah. just before internet and cell phones became endemic yeah and like there's a pre-technological sensitivity to Mulder and Scully. And it, it's super important that they're inhabiting a world where the unknown is is a part of it.
2: Yeah, right? I, I, Because I, like, yeah, yeah. No, 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 that's absolutely. This this show was like the last big pre-internet hurrah, right? Like before, like the World Wide exactly. Web. Exactly. It's, it's came right out. before, like, <laughs> you know? if
0: you're an FBI agent, yeah. you can jump oh, on yeah. Google on your phone, yeah. like, yeah, right. 75 yeah, percent of this is not a thing
2: like these guys do so much research through paper files right they're going to like these old like old morgues like nothing is electronic and and but like that kind of gets to this universe deals with an inherent scarcity of information and of access right and 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 that kind of like that's like the central tension is that you have to be okay with the fact that nobody will ever know everything yeah. and so the question is are you going to find just enough to give you the agency you need to save the day right and that's or an open you're, or question. You're
0: Fox Mulder and you're like, I want to know, you know, if if this person has ever run a stoplight, <laughs> which you could know like right now. <laughs> right now you I can look it up, phone. exactly.
3: What? Yeah. I mean but they yeah. did have computer uh records and things. There were I mean they use computers a lot. And they, they and, did and, but I mean and there's even a joke about Fox being addicted to his cell phone. But you know, th- this was early. You know, it, yeah, it really yeah. was a, it was, was before your was a, average person a, had a
0: it. Loss leader on that whole.
1: Leg. Certainly before big data. Let's put it that way. You know, yeah, like yeah. You know, Talking about like back then you were like okay this database doesn't talk to that database so like the request Mulder's making is kind of like whoa that's out there yeah
2: look (laughs) if they're they're trying to do the squeeze episode in season 11 like eugene tombs somebody would have figured him out on like ancestry.com right wouldn't be like (laughs) wait a minute (laughs) like they just he wouldn't have stayed hidden all that long you know for me the, the the real moment of truth of this whole thing is at the very end of of the second episode where molder and scully they get in trouble going after tombs again as they often are like crossing the line and disobeying orders and that sort of thing and and they're, they're kind of called in front of skinner and he's chewing him out but they got the bad guy anyway and the cigarette smoking man is there kind of in the background and you know they leave and um you know you know and, and skinner skinner you know just doesn't believe their report at all and he goes to the cigarette smoking man, he's like you know do you believe him and cigarette man smoking goes yeah, absolutely of course i do and you're like, oh. You know, and that was like, that was, I just love that moment because it's not a mythology episode, but it was like a direct like signal flare that there will be mythology coming, even though, you know, we'll get into that going forward. But I just, I just love that notion and just the notion that like, and even Mulder says, I think everything's going to change soon. And it the show does take off. Like this show kind of bookends the first like trial season of the whole show where they're sort of figuring out what the show is and what it's going to do and where's it going to go. It's really, really cool when you watch that first part of this duology and the second part, you really get a nice sense of where the x-files is starting from and i i, I really quite like that it's sort of it's sort of an origin story for the for the show
3: itself hooms is the first time scully fo- calls a uh, molder fox i think yes ab- absolutely yeah
2: and and also unfortunately it's it also is one of those episodes where we see like there's a lot of like the kind of fridge uh scully a fair bit, in, like, a the little first bit. Of, I, I mean like you know like the male characters are really handsy with her. She kind of gets, you know, kind of damsel in distress every once in a while. She's the only character who disrobes on a regular basis. Although although Mulder does take off a shirt a couple times too, you know, at least in the, in the Toons episode, it was, it was still just kind of creepy. Like it was just like seeing him like invade her space was super affecting. Oh yeah. Just leave her alone, man. That's also part of the, in the early part of the show, where they gave her like like a girl gun, you know, like like like, like Mulder like Mulder's walking around like a proper like a proper Glock, whatever, and she's got this little like I don't know this little like Beretta pocket pistol. Like, dude, she's an agent, man. Give her give her a real gun, like a real gun, dude. yeah. Why, <laughs> why, why she got this gun. gun? Yeah, it's like a slim, like it's like a Walter PPK or something. Like, come on, man. Like, don't don't do that to her. And, and then later on, she's like rocking a, a proper you know a proper service weapon. But uh, for early on, it was, it was they they kind of you know they kind of took their liberties with the character, which is a little pain to see. When I went back and looked again, by the way, I was like, well, certainly he's not everybody's favorite monster of the week. But, you know, I did a lot of looking into like what is like a broad consensus of favorite episodes across the X-Files. And people really responded to Tombs quite well. Like he, he was as freaky to other people as he was to me. And I was, I was cheered to see that. <laughs> so it's good stuff. Absolutely. Moving on, Tom, why don't we get to your moment of truth? Talk us through what episodes that you kind of selected what happens in them? And where does your moment of truth come from uh, in the episodes and in the larger scope of the show?
1: Uh, well, if, you know, if you had a monster of the week episode, I kind of went the other direction with the, you know, the overarching narrative of the X-Files, yeah. you know, the, the alien story. The moment of truth I picked is from an episode called Paperclip which is like the final episode, the third episode of like this arc that really contributes to the you know the overall mythology. That whole arc starts with an episode called Anasazi and it's followed up by another one called The, the Blessing Way. And like this arc is just so bonkers and so tough to keep track of. You have all these elements like just chiming in, in into this story. Like it starts with like a hack of the Defense Department by, you know, this this hacker known to the lone gunman known as the Thinker. And he, you know, discovers all this great information that the Defense Department has on aliens. And he's like, here you go, Mulder. And that just starts everything down this ridiculous bonkers path that involves Navajo code talkers and, and medicine men. You have, you know, dead alien humid hybrids in a refrigerator car in the middle of a desert. You know, there's Boulder dies and Boulder gets brought dies. back to life. Like, <laughs> it's like in, this, yep. in this three episode arc, yep. you know, you have all this stuff going on with the syndicate and there's a UFO and live aliens running right past Scully and, and like just all this crazy stuff that you know a lot of which wasn't always like overtly shown earlier in the show and um to me like these episodes represent like a turning point in the show
0: well tom you know you make a great point which is like the lone gunman and what they represent in the show of like kind of incel basement dweller guys and these guys are they're they're okay like these guys are pro-social these guys are these guys are all right but they represent that that like dude in his basement with the with the modem. Yeah, with the you know the board with all the red <laughs> yarn and the push
1: pins and exactly. the yeah, absolutely.
0: Like yeah. there's a lot of
1: there's a lot yeah. of a lot of cringe, involved. and we know what those yeah. people yeah. turned into in the internet era and it wasn't there's always a
0: lot of pleasant, mullet involved but, uh, with the lone gun.
1: <laughs> I, I think they kept them like reasonably pure, and I think that's why they got their own Pure-ish. you know, build, um film yeah. spin-off
0: but you know um, <laughs> you know for a fact you and i know the lone gunman graduate to be incels so like it's it's troubling <laughs> i don't know
1: i thought the guy who sort of looked like uh garth you know he, he was all right I, th- th- I think the garth guy was
2: okay i think the guy who went rocking the suit was just going to go on and like sell his supplements or something like that but i don't think it's going to go full incel. the older guy though he like he he was like Already, that guy's he, on that
0: guy's at the he's Capitol QAnon, yeah, yeah, yeah he, no yes, he's totally yeah. QAnon, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was he was he was looking for a hold of that fall guy, is, that guy is banging into the Capitol windows with a with a flag pole, like, there's no question, <laughs> right?
2: exactly, exactly. But Tom, continue. We really start to see
1: a lot of like new threats, and like, these are threats, like, at the level where you really haven't seen before in the show. People's families getting threatened during this arc, Mulder loses his father um Dana know,
2: loses loses her sister right
1: you know, like scully's sister like takes a bullet for her you know like um it's yeah. a botched assassination attempt essentially on scully by uh crycheck you know who's another character i absolutely love and this started to show a little bit of uh of depth to him but uh you know you start to see all this fragmentation of the different agendas which i think is really interesting like you realize they're is a lot more infighting in the syndicate than you probably initially thought you know you do see crycheck you know like basically they try to kill him in a car bomb because i guess the cigarette smoking man's really upset about him not you know taking out scully and taking out her sister instead and you know he flees off and he's now really in opposition to the smoking man and wants to try to set him up to be able to like not bother him anymore because he doesn't want to work for him anymore. So you start to get some, some depth to that character, the different agendas with the different people in the syndicate. And, and, you know, now you're starting to see, Oh, you know, these guys are kind of pissed at smoking, man. And, you know, this guy thinks you should do this. And then, you know, there, there's not this one big unified front that used to, you know, kind of scare me in, in the past. Now it's like, it's starting to show cracks you don't have scully anymore who's been put on these cases to debunk Mulder's, uh you know work she full-on believes him now and th- this is really like my moment of truth is the relationship between those two at the very end of that last uh, at the pay- paperclip episode you know there, there's this discussion where you know scully has just lost her sister not only that she's like missed the opportunity to visit her in the hospital and say goodbye Uh, you know Mulder is there and they're talking about you know her coming back to work you know she's like I need my back up against something like she's clearly one of those people who's now motivated having seen what she's seen but you know then you get this sort of like you know tenderness from Mulder and the two of the characters really start to show that they care very deeply about one another Scully says you know I've heard the truth Mulder now what I want are the answers and just kind of slumps on him for support, you know, and they, they embrace. And you're like, (laughs) he is, now she is like very dear to him. He is, you know, it it is, they have a relationship now where it's, it's out in the open. Like they really care for one another. And, you know, now we've moved from Scully the skeptic to all right, now she's going to kick some butt and, you know, take some names because she knows what's going on. She, well, she knows the end of, there are aliens. There are people making hybrid human aliens. Yeah. There yeah. are nasty things yeah. going on in the government. She has and, a, she, yeah,
2: we can she has prove a weird it
1: somehow. Yeah, she
2: has, she has a weird piece of metal in her neck now at this point. Like, she's like, you know, <laughs> she's missing time. Yeah.
0: There's
1: all sorts of crazy stuff going on with her. And she's, you but know. You're right,
0: you're right, Tom. This is a tipping point. What you're talking about from Scully as the skeptic to Scully as the ally. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's hugely important. Yeah.
1: Well, she's she declares that openly at the end of this episode. And that yeah. is my moment of truth where I'm like, OK, what yeah. are we going to see from the show now? Like we're mm-hmm. this ends the second episode of the third season. We've got a whole, you know, another whole season going. And you yeah. know, many more came after that, of course. But yeah. you're like, what are we going to see from this show? Like now a lot yeah. of this stuff is really out in the open. Yeah,
3: right. <laughs> so, Chris, how did these episodes land with you? The build up to these episodes i thought was good enough that like it, it really started to get me into the show mm-hmm. I, I watched the first season now and again um but this season i watched a little more and a little more and these three episodes electrified me they really yeah. did um yeah they landed like a like a bomb on me they, they they really are probably they represent the height of my engagement with the show Yeah.
2: I, you know, one thing I, I took away from this trinity of episodes was that um, it made me wish that there was more of the X-Files that was strictly sequential. The way the episodes directly fed into each other, it really pulled you along. I mean, th- this is a very episodic TV show, but these three, you um, know, just sort of seamless. And I was, yeah, I was, I was watching again, again, Chris used the word electrified and I completely agree. I was just like, I was completely riveted, you know, and, and, and to Tom's point, yeah, there's like reveal after reveal that really are like major things forward like fox actually sees a ufo over overhead right like he like yeah. he sees that that alien that maybe it's an alien craft at that military base like in the first, like in the second episode you don't not, you're not sure what it is but like this is a straight up ufo this is an alien ship that passes over him and of course it's gone by the time poor Scully gets out there right so you're like oh man <laughs> um I'm like there's just so much
0: yeah I'm you like, just missed it
2: yeah you just missed it but you see like a lot of the syndicate going on and you see you, your point you see like and you, know, you get the sense like there's this massive plot there's that nazi gardener who's involved mm-hmm. this thing goes all the way back it's like you know Mulder and scully have both lost something together like that's like a that's like the true bonding it's like it just there's so much going on here but the thing that i the detail that i really couldn't stop noodling over in this thing is that is um you know it starts off with the Anasazi and they bring in, you know, the Native Americans, right? Who are, who are involved. And it's like, I just love how the fact that like, we're dealing with this whole, ultimately this plot of Earth is being colonized by unwelcome visitors, right? Who are gonna wipe out everything we are and make us them. And it's such a repellent notion to us. And you've got these na- these Native American heroes who are like, guys, I, they never say it, but their presence in the show suggests it pretty strongly. Like, yeah, it, this is not something anybody wants to have happen to them. White viewers out there, take heed. <laughs> you, know, was like, it was, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a thing. You know, I just thought it was a really great. I, I like how they included that in the show to kind of really give some gravitas, not just to the alien colonization plot that's unfolding, but also, again, sometimes the show got sort of subversive, and, um, and this is a this is a cool moment of that. I thought.
1: Oh, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, they I, I walked away with it from it with the with the assumption that it's just like. The Navajo culture like somehow had some way of dealing with this that wasn't because they weren't going completely bonkers crazy over it
0: yet. No, you know, they, been
2: <laughs> no we've been here before. Yeah. Yeah. We've
1: yeah. been yeah. here
2: before.
0: We'll yeah. figure yeah. it out. You know, yeah. we'll meet not Dollar our first time. Like,
1: Holy crap,
0: yeah.
2: there's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the basement. Now, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> now, Tom, Tom, I do have a question for you. And this is this is more from my my reading about the show and what I've watched is that. Like, I, I've come across a lot of commentary from longtime viewers who were like, yeah, it, it, it's kind of like, I get the sense that initially there was a plan, and then it seemed to, at least it was built up enough that it, there could have been a plan, and then at some point in time, it seems like whatever plan there was either got away from them, or they had to make it up as it went along or something, because by the end of the show, the, I, I think the consensus is kind of like, the alien mythology is impossible to comprehend, it's just so fragmented, who, who can who can say I haven't watched the show extensively enough to make that kind of call for myself, but Tom, I'd, I'd really love to know th- this three episode arc kind of gets held up as like the Rosetta Stone of the, of the X-Files alien mythology, right? And I'd love to know for you, how long did the show hold your interest on the alien, the alien, you know, meta plot? Like, and, like, was there ever a point where you were like, you know what, I think this has either gotten away from me or I don't care as much as I used to or, or anything like that?
1: I, you know, I will admit that it did kind of pull a lost on me after a few more seasons. <laughs> I, like I became disengaged from it. Not because I got the sense they were just kind of like making it up, but like it was, it was, too sort of taxing on me to to have to keep track of all like the new things that they introduced into it that needed to be wrapped up and you just get this weight of the whole thing kind of coming down on you and i just i lost interest in it after a while and you know to an extent, the uh, the payoff was for me was was the movie, and I'm like, yeah, I was right about that. Um, <laughs> I <was laughs> right, right all along when I did, but like, yeah right, as as a first time viewer though, it just got me so jazzed up and like, yeah. wow, there's really something cool going on here. <laughs> yeah,
3: very cool. Very really, cool. I I, uh, I actually videotaped these episodes. I was did, sure did I made sure I was going to miss them. Yeah,
0: just <laughs> for the win.
2: Good stuff, good stuff. All right, Chris, let's go to your your moment of truth here. This is, a, this is a good one. And um, sure? I'm sure a lot of people who are listening <laughs> to this episode are like, when are they going to get to this one? So Chris, take it away. Talk us through the episode you chose for your moment of truth. Give us a quick rundown of what happens in the episode. And then let's talk about your moment of truth from that episode.
3: You know, we were talking about in the, in the, the paperclip uh, trilogy, about the things that, you know, Dana had witnessed and the things that had happened to her and the things she'd lost. She doesn't know it yet, I think, at 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 this point, or or certainly at that point, but she's also sterile. She's been sterilized and eventually finds out. And it, it became it became a major theme of the later seasons. Yeah. Uh, you know when when during the series she found out she'd been sterilized it it was a really huge deal for her obviously and uh this uh, this episode is so full of motherhood themes that you know it it almost feels like it's a roadmap to the rest of the series in in some ways despite being a monster of the week episode
0: it's okay to be skeeved out everybody yeah okay. <laughs> everybody uh, in. let's do
3: this hold on to your butts <laughs>
0: <laughs> get ready the skeeving is happening exactly
3: so so in this episode which is titled home uh, <gasps> uh episode two of season four if i recall correctly yep. fox and scully are uh are, are called in when a group of kids playing baseball find a, a, an infant's corpse with massive massive birth defects of of every description somebody buried it alive they, they realize and it's almost not even a murder because there's no way it could have survived anyway you know they're looking at the at the hole in the ground and, and the blood on the ground uh, from where the body was recovered and uh and molder goes So, who lives in that house over there? (laughs) You know, like those three guys, briefly watching
1: us from the porch. Yeah. And
2: (laughs) that
3: matters the peacock house. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) At <laughs> the house, you look at it, and you're like, you can get tetanus by looking at this they, house. I mean, yeah. it's so it's old. The Civil War
0: they have. Yeah.
3: yeah, it's got it's got like Union musket balls and the clapboards. I mean, it's so bad. <laughs> you can't imagine they 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 shot this uh, this episode in Vancouver. Where do you find it? house yeah, like that. Seriously, Vancouver? <laughs> yeah, I know. In Pennsylvania,
2: yes, I can attest. <laughs> I'm from there, <laughs> but yeah.
3: Well, anyway, um, as the episode goes on, uh, the 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 cop. Sort of reveals about this family that, uh, yeah, they 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 keep to themselves and always have, essentially, and we don't like to bother them. <laughs> <laughs> just, just don't go there. And so, just don't go there. Just don't. Go so there. Uh, that's the
0: original. Don't go there. Never
2: has Keith themselves been a more loaded statement
3: <laughs> continue Chris it turns out you know that there's there's these three dudes uh, who we get to watch committing uh you know several murders including of the police chief and his wife brutal beat you to death murders terrible stuff stuff um wildly violent for television at the time I think yeah and and you know they have these deformed faces that you only barely see occasionally And uh, like the best scene in the whole show, the whole episode is, is uh, when they get, they climb into this convertible Cadillac and take off. And it's, uh, who are they listening to, Tom?
1: Oh God, it was um, Johnny Mathis. Johnny Mathis.
3: It's so, it is the weirdest <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. I think it's a song, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Beautiful,
0: Beautiful, wonderful. Wonderful.
1: By the way, a song that my dad played in the house quite frequently, so like it was extra, <laughs> extra <laughs> you know, it, it
0: total
3: total fallout four, uh, stuff, right? That's a mess. Yeah, <laughs> Wonder- yes.
1: total,
2: total fallout four vibe, yes,
3: for sure. um, baby. <laughs> and and you know, but everybody's wondering, well, you know, these kids' parents died, uh, you know, years ago in a car crash. and. Where, where could a baby have come from, and and so the presumption has to be that there is someone who is being held and forced to bear children for this inbred family. And uh, there's there's it's, it's actually a really tense episode. It, it feels more like a horror movie than oh, than yeah. your even your average uh, yeah. X Files episode does. And and it, it, you know it's very clearly. Uh, influenced by movies like the hills have eyes and yeah and i, I spit on your grave maybe
0: I, I saw this back when it was originally aired on broadcast tv and then i watched it by myself and i was like how did this ever make it yeah. onto television how, how, how was ever something we were exposed to <laughs> yeah. And,
3: and th- yeah throughout the episode scully gets more and more Skeaved i think out. involved yeah. and yeah. skeeved out yeah um this is be- mess, because it too. you know it,
2: it's a motherhood thing to, to Chris's point though, Scully mentions a couple times that we have to find the woman here because there's somebody, yeah. somebody being held against their will. And, and she's like, somebody's somebody's being forced to be
3: somebody's mom here. And that
0: was like, somebody's the, the oven. Yeah.
2: That was the, that was the, the real practice of it. So, but yeah, but, but Chris, go on.
3: So, you know, she gets really involved in, and and um, at the big reveal, which is of course my moment of truth. When, when she looks under, under that bed and, and, and you see what, what, what's there. It, it is the most gut-wrenching uh, thing i've ever seen on television i'm i'm sure yeah. and and i you can all, you can just tell what it does to scully because she is it, she spends so much energy being sympathetic yeah it's just yeah. It, it it it's really horrifying yeah i would i would say chris that
2: the only like the monsterification of motherhood in this episode is is perhaps suppressed only by like the alien queen aliens. right you know uh, like it's it's it takes something that's so so you know the power of motherhood and just it just subverts in every possible
0: oh, way it. Doesn't it, it makes it other it, it takes motherhood it makes it other.
3: <laughs> right right yeah. uh, you know uh, is, am i correct that they never reran this episode yes my understanding
2: is they played it once people collectively shuttered so much in it, 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 it they basically it started like, it funny, yeah. network Nobody tv and it never, it's never oh, been, it's been in, oh that was not the it, thing we were doing. yeah <laughs> so my understanding is that it got it got pulled from like re It never got rebroadcast but it's, it's been in, a like syndication it's yeah but it's been in like cd and dvd course, collections that, that, that sort of thing so
3: it, but you know it, it's just a it's it's really i think it's a, a, a bit of a, a watershed moment in the liberalization of broadcast television yeah um yeah
0: it's okay to show violent incest that's fine
3: uh, those are themes that uh, you know are were previously not done on television you know yeah no it definitely pushed boundaries didn't it so i don't know if i i find it a significant episode it's also the one that ever i feel like it's the one you remember it yeah it's it just it's it's if you were watching it, it's burned into your brain, you'll never forget it. I,
1: I can't would get it I out would, of your head. It's,
3: yeah, I, I would think that this is this would probably this episode would probably be a
2: lock for the best all-time X-files across everybody if it weren't for the fact that so many people are so disturbed by it, they don't want to go back to it. But dude, look, I have seen full-fledged, like you know, feature motion picture horror movies that weren't a tenth as skeevy as this episode was. Well, I mean, it, unnerving it, was,
0: and yeah, it was
2: yeah, it was so unnerving, but like it never. You know what's funny is that this episode didn't really take; it didn't take like a lot of cheap shots to get you there. Like, uh, like, uh, like it was very. It just built this, this world and just like.
0: Have you ever lived under the floorboards, Bill?
2: Well, <laughs> not since college, but yeah, you know it's, just <laughs> you know, but no, but but like it wasn't like 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 Chris. It wasn't like there were like a lot of cheap jump scares or anything like that. It was just
3: like it just, it just built this really creepy sense of dread, didn't it? It did. Yeah. Um, much like Bone Tomahawk.
1: I was gonna say you bone know.
2: tomahawk. Yes. I think this, I think there wouldn't have been a bone tomahawk if there hadn't been home. I absolutely agree. Right? You know, especially like the last 10 minutes of Bone Tomahawk for mm-hmm. sure. Like when I was watching Home again, I'm like, oh, as much as I love Bone Tomahawk, and it's a hard movie to watch, folks, but it's a great horror movie, it absolutely home is home's fingerprints are all over that movie for sure. Can't agree I'm sure. more.
1: I'm still scared to watch Bone Tomahawk because you guys have likened it so much to this that like I don't want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bo- uh, like, yeah, i'm Bo- not gonna watch it now because <laughs> yeah, all, it's gonna be like the it, same it, creepy vibe i got from
2: home and and no <laughs> because i love you i will warn you okay bone top lock like, it is home except with um completely unlimited access to the most violent gore you can possibly imagine and oh, good. probably the most gruesome kill of any horror movie I've ever seen happens in Bones oh, Dude, please. that doesn't even start to cover it. It's in Bones Tomahawk. okay? And um, you can watch it at your peril, is all I'll say. But on the way on the way out of the bad place, you see something that totally is like, that is home right there. And it's like, it's just- it's I Wish like, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, exactly. you wish <laughs> you could unsee it. And, I didn't, I, I never got to the point with home that I, w- I was like, oh, I wish I could unsee it. I mean, it was really rough, but it was so well done. And it like, yeah, yeah. and it made this like, like when the mom is explaining herself, you know, and, and it's just like, it's like, she doesn't yeah. want to be found. She doesn't want to be pulled out from under the bed. Like that was horrifying. Like, Spoiler she, that, alert. It, well, it's been, it's been, tw- it's, <laughs> it's, it's been, years been years. a while. <laughs>
1: you know yeah, what? If you haven't seen this by this point, you're probably scared off by it. It's not going to
2: spoil yeah, but, but anything. But you know what, you know what though? I think, I think in this episode though, the tone is the thing. And it's like, you could actually read a scene by scene breakdown of this whole thing. And it's still not going to convey just the sense of this episode when, when you watch oh. it, and like, you know, our heroes go into that house, and you're like, that house should not be gone into, you know, and it's just, it's just a, and all the filming
3: rally. through other sides of windows. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it just right? creates this really constant sense of dread. It's really, yeah, well done. yeah, uh-huh. yeah.
1: what's going to pop out of that thing at any point? Like, I, right. I, I agree with your moment of truth, Chris. Like, your moment of truth would have been my moment of truth, but like, I have a secondary one in this, and it's the right at the end, like, especially having heard tons of johnny mathis in my home growing up when you know she, the mother is talking to the son brother whatever about starting a new family and the yeah. cadillac is leaving and i'm like yeah,
3: it, it <laughs> like, me out dude.
1: to no end that like this was going right. to go continue somewhere, and and like it had been there since the Civil War, the War of Northern Aggression, you know, as she called it, dude, and, only- and it's going to go start up someplace else. I'm like,
2: ah, oh. dude. The worst part is that she's talking about starting another family. He's in the trunk of the car with her. He's like yeah. starting the family with her right then and there. She's exactly. You're like, ha! I mean, it's, it's he go, he pops out of that trunk, and I'm like, oh, come on! You didn't? Oh. I can't. That was like, and that's like at the end of a hard episode <laughs> that like, is in his hands. Yeah, it's, oh. it like, oh, it's rough. <laughs> no. easily easily the most disturbing hour of television I think I've ever watched. I mean, it was really, it was, I was mean, so. It's so good though. It's so so good, but it's very transgressive, right? <laughs> like,
3: oh yeah. You know, I, 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 I when I was reading about it, I I, I saw that uh, somebody named Kim Manners had directed, and I got a little uh interested because I was like, Oh, female director turns out Kim Manners is a dude, so oh, like Kim Stanley but,
2: Robinson, come on, but man. <laughs> but uh, he
3: did do quite a number of uh, a big episodes in the X Files. Oh, really? Yeah,
2: okay, interesting, interesting. So, when we were talking about the X Files before we started recording at one point, Chris, you said something that really stuck with me, which is like you said. The X-Files was often at its best when it was being subversive or even transgressive. And I thought that was a really interesting comment. And I'm wondering, Home is in a, is in a league all of its own in that regard, sure. but are there other episodes that kind of hit that quality? Maybe not to the degree that Home does, but were you felt they're really well-serviced by because they're transgressive, they're subversive, they really challenged the viewer?
3: I think Squeeze actually is a good example of that mm, um, okay. because they, yeah. you know, they're dealing with cannibalism and and <laughs> yeah, uh, they are. Yeah, uh, I, I, uh Dehandi de verletzt is another one. Oh, where, uh, it. it was like it, they, the, it's like an occult one, uh, where it's like this teenagers have died during an, an apparent occult ritual, stuff okay, like okay. that, you know, that yeah. or 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 humbug. Oh, humbug! was Great. <laughs> It was
2: freaky as hell, but yeah, Humbug. I love that episode. Humbug was like, if, if home could be a comedy, it would, it would be yeah. bug, Humbug. Humbug. <laughs> <laughs> humbug. <laughs> yeah, no. Joe, we're going to get to you now. I'd like to get into the episode you chose. Give us a quick rundown of what happens in the episode. And then most importantly, talk us into how that episode delivers a moment of truth. Because your moment of truth is kind of like so many others we've talked about. It, it's a reflection on a larger reality of the show. So So
0: take it away. My episode comes in season six. And it's Arcadia, which <laughs> I love because Mulder and Scully are are forced into a domestic fiction to pretend to be, uh, you know, a husband and wife to uncover what's going on in this this small homeowners association, where where apparently to transgress at all is to transgress completely, and so so Mulder and Scully cosplay as a uh, as a uh, as a as a married couple. There's a lot of what we've talked about, right? There's a lot of this uncovering of the of the uh, untold, there's a lot of uncovering of of what's weird, but it only works because Mulder and Scully have this this sexual tension. They have this moonlighting friends, you know, like yeah. cheers this this will they won't they tension between them. And to me, Arcadia is the peak of that. Where they they pretend to be Robin Laura Petrie, yeah, <laughs> right? Like, like is that tree. not that's the big man died. right? Like, yeah, yeah. But like, and, and yeah. there's this scene where they move into the house and they're like getting ready to do uh, expansion and, and, and exploration of what's going on. Scully's getting her machines out, and Mulder says, "Woman." Get in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. <laughs> like it's it's like it's this this exposure of the 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 give and take byplay of Mulder and Scully that it's really the heart of X-Files. The whole thing is Mulder and Scully. The, the, their byplay, their tension between them is the entirety of the series. If the charisma of the of the lead actors doesn't work, the series doesn't work. And to me, where the the series is at its best.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I I thought about when I was watching Arcadia cuz cuz this you guys have like put this one on my radar like you know, make sure you it's watch a Arcadia. Great it's, it's a great o- it's, it's mine, a great yeah. episode on a number of fronts, but especially for advancing the whole relationship of Mulder and Scully, you know, that sort of thing and you know, I got to say One of the things I really enjoyed as I was going back and watching these episodes is that this is such an earned screen romance. I'm not sure when exactly they're an item. It's putting in a lot of work. Right, at some point you just realize that they're they're, they're an item, but it's so organically developed. There's so many moments that they're just looking at each other, they're talking to each other. There's a a moment of connection. And it's not like an artificial thing, like, oh, here is the moment. It's just like there's all these shared experiences where you can just tell that like their very unique journey together is very much pulling them together right and in Arcadia they're so they're so tightly knit that they can actually subvert it and and and, and riff on it you know in the episode which is which is hilarious right it's just, it's 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 really 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 well done
1: it's trust right in the end
2: yeah i mean I did,
1: yeah I, what other series do you know of where you know the two lead characters have had to trust one another when they have no reason to yeah you know, especially since so they came into the whole thing being put People. at odds with one another, it's just it's, yeah. it's so great. I think that's why that's so earned. But but, mm. Bill and and Joe, this is a. a Favorite of mine. Uh, I think it, it's largely because I have such
0: a yeah, HOAs,
1: gated communities. I mean, I, I live down the unanimous. road from a gated community yeah. where most of my kids' friends live, and I hate going in there every <laughs> single time because I got to check in at the gate. It's the yeah. worst. And I want to blow through that gate every single yeah. time and just like. Do a donut on somebody's <laughs> lawn just because I know the repercussions from that would just like ripple yeah. Yeah. effect. Your,
0: your yeah. mailbox is not squared <laughs> up.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> the moment when Mulder is taking a backhoe to his front lawn, and like no, I can do yeah. it. I'm putting in a reflecting pool. <laughs> putting, putting in a reflecting pool. <laughs> <bowl. laughs> they're like just losing their mind. Like this is a community where a neighbor took it upon himself to paint the other neighbor's mailbox, who so wouldn't get fined. <laughs> Mulder's in there like gleefully backhoeing the front
3: yard. Which is such I, a great I, Oh, what's so satisfying about it is that you know a monster exists specifically to kill the hoa it's the <laughs> best it's such a great payoff you're you're for the monster the whole way through yes you do and, and- you <laughs> root for the
0: monster coming out of the yeah. ground the whole time you're like Go get those guys who are putting the mailbox. Do it, right. do it, do it.
2: But there's also, you get
0: the sense that, like, with that backhoe scene, I get the
2: sense that Mulder's more interesting and in screwing with the HOA oh, yeah. than oh, yeah. actually the monster. <laughs> yep, absolutely. He's like, that, I know what the real monster is. <laughs>
1: the real monster is the HOA. It is, exactly. So it's,
2: it's so funny. It is. But, but you know, by the time you get to this episode, I, I can't remember if Fight the Future was before or after this season, right? When I watched that in the theater, and there's a great moment where um Mulder and Scully very nearly kiss and then they get interrupted. And I remember the moment when the, when the kiss gets interrupted, the whole theater went, Oh like, like everybody wanted it to happen so bad, right? Because like this a collective groan in the entire audience. And it was just I just love how the show managed to maintain that for so long. And and honestly, you have lots of other shows where you have that like like long-running sexual tension between the characters. And the, the unwritten rule is like you can't ever resolve it because then that's gone the show never recovers, right? But cheers. X-File's cheers is a great example, but X Files seems to have kind of had its cake and eaten it too. Like they kind of they kind of get together and it somehow never seems to self like the show never seems to self-destruct over it or, or or am I missing it?
0: No, but at that time it
3: wasn't as good, I don't think.
0: All right my first wife loved this show. I think she loved it because she thought David DuCovney was sexy. And that's okay because I thought We all make mistakes. Julian Anderson was sexy. So, okay.
3: (laughs) David Duchovny is undeniably sexy.
0: (laughs) Whatever you say, Chris. But like, you know, if your two main characters are charismatic, you can get away with a lot
3: yeah
2: yeah and once again i'll say charisma is not a dumb stat and the x-files proves it right i mean they, we've got we've got charisma 18 on both of the leads we really really do and and it's not just charisma they've got chemistry they've got really major chemistry which is funny because apparently the actors used to squabble on the set quite a bit Yeah, apparently they've done it along <laughs> yeah which is you wouldn't know it by watching the show they got they they, they you know a mark of their skill as actors right because you wouldn't you know, know it. but Joe, I have to ask you. I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, the whole woman make me a sandwich, which is a hilarious scene by the way. Cuz like the fact that Scully doesn't draw her her pistol and shoot him dead right then and there speaks to the depth of how much ground they have between them that she can endure that kind of you know, you know. That, but like is there another like really great Mulder Scully relationship moment that you kind of come back to that 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 kind of helps put well, this moment it, in relief?
0: In that same episode, there's a scene where Mulder is like reclining on the bed and Scully comes in with her face mask on and and Mulder recoils like, oh, it's a ghost. And she's like, no, dude. Sofa for you. And he's like, (laughs) all right, whatever. They lean into both Mulder's belief of the paranormal and the push-pull of their sexual tension.
1: Sure. And sitcom tropes too, but they got away with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, right. But they they make it so awesome.
2: Yeah. Uh, Tom, do you have a favorite... You know, Mulder Scully relationship moment.
1: Ah, uh, you know it's it's tough because I do think they kind of spoiled it. They dragged it out too long, and then the you know resolution. You can't break that rule. I agree that that Bill, you can't uh, ever break that rule. Like, yeah, you know, we saw what happened, Sam, and you know, and and Ross and Rachel. It was just it was never the same after that. Um, yeah. <laughs> But um, I mean, there's just, there's so many moments. It's, it's almost seems like every episode has, you know, moves at least their relationship forward a little bit, which, which I do love about it. Um, uh, You know, again, I, I think it goes back to trust and, you know, trusting somebody in a world where you cannot possibly see all of the shifting loyalties and things going on behind the scenes. Like, thankfully you know as viewers we got to see some of those things like oh don't trust that guy but like you know as characters they really have no reason to trust one another and they've got to build it up organically over time and it just seems to happen like in every episode it may not be overt but you understand that like Mulder cares for Scully Scully cares for Mulder very much and you know Uh, there's kind of like this dance that goes on between them and you know in my mind I always wanted that dance to continue and then so, yeah. uninterrupted yeah.
2: It, but <laughs> one thing I loved is that they never pull the tired old like he's all in and like, like they didn't have like a like and she's not like they didn't have like yeah, like, yeah, a ship, that, like a ship's passing cold. the night like, yeah. like mm-hmm. oh there's one time when she's catching feelings and he's cold towards her like it wasn't like that it was just a matter of they just very gradually like you can't you can't you can't walk the road these two have walked together and not come very very close together and if there's a romantic spark there it's going to ignite right and that's what you see it just it just takes a while to get there but it's it's so well done i I, I appreciate they
3: took that route um chris do you have a particular favorite moment yeah actually it's probably from from tombs bill uh when Ah. at the end where you know scully has you know she's put her career on the line to to help yeah big Mulder. time and, and and at the end of the episode or near it she she calls him fox yep and, and he he stops and says you know scully i i, ma- I even made my parents call me molder <laughs> yeah and right she replies molder i wouldn't put myself on the line for anybody but you
0: yeah
3: and that's yeah. like you know 10 episodes in or whatever or the first season so i that might really even be the the sort of ground good ground zero for their relationship as yeah. it were you know like <laughs>
2: you know it's a relationship that made me go he loves her <laughs> it's um it's a monster of the week episode called pusher and they're dealing with this like killgrave type psychic dude who basically just make people do th- he's tell people what to do and they and they do it and they're going after him and he's just he's kind of like hiding in plain sight and it gets to the point where like molder and this guy are together and this guy's got molder in his grip and he makes molder play like russian roulette with himself right and and is there and and it's like you know he's like, all right, put the, put the gun to your head. Mulder does it. He goes, now pull. And Mulder's instantly like, click, right? And Scully's like, no, no, no. And he goes, all right, now point it at her, right? And that's when suddenly he was so easily made to put the gun to his own head. But when it came to pointing the gun at her, he's like struggling. And like, he could be, be like, he's fighting, he's fighting it with all his strength. And he just goes, run. Like he tells her to get out. And I'm like, he's able to summon that for her, not for him, but for her. And the way she reacts is not just my partner. She's like, She's like, you know, you know, she, she, she she's so bothered by this. Like she loves him too. And I'm like, you know what? We may not get there for another couple of seasons, but that moment, I'm like, these guys have got these guys have totally caught feelings for each other. And I, I really enjoyed seeing that moment for even though they don't kiss or anything, it's just like it's just a it's a really earned moment. I I just I totally, I totally loved it. So
0: well, one of the things that X Files does so well is it, it builds this emotional connection between the two leads without it being a sexual connection between the two leads and yeah yeah apart from the fact that there's a lot of value to that
2: yeah there is apart from the fact that Mulder can't seem to go more than five episodes without discussing his porn habits with her (laughs) it's like dude well you know
0: he's got his own thing going like (laughs) he does
2: but it's like come on man stop it please (laughs) it's like we don't need to know so (laughs) It's there's so many stuff. moments
1: where he just like he, the way he conveys like no you really don't want to be in a relationship <laughs> yeah. with me is yeah. like <laughs> it's,
3: yeah.
1: well, I, I think it's, the sandwich thing is another example yeah, of yeah that, right you
2: know, like, no. well i think part of it is like he's he feels comfortable enough to her like he can like he i can be my disgusting self around you and if i kind of wonder like if part of it is just like like, almost like a signal for, like, I'll throw up this really repugnant side of myself, and if she doesn't totally recoil, well, then maybe, you know what, maybe this is, this, this, you know, there, there's something to it, right, and and I can never quite tell to what degree Mulder is simply surfacing his own ugliness. Well, <laughs> the what truth degree is he, out there. Right? He's floating a trial balloon, we don't know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's floating a trial balloon, exactly, <laughs> you know? and I think not only does Scully have an 18 charisma, she's got an 18 wisdom as well, right, like, I don't think Mulder ever gets one over on her, she's always, like, she can kind of tell where he's coming from, and I always kind of like the fact that she always seems to understand, she never takes him out of context, you know, like she always manages to somehow, she's the only person in the universe who can properly contextualize Mulder 100% of the time. And I think that's a, an important, important part of their, their relationship. Um, probably exists nowhere else in the natural universe, but there you have it
1: another in that moment and that comes from home where right at the beginning when it's like okay you've just found the body of a malformed child like right over here by home plate and Mulder's you know going through pitching motions and like fantasizing about you know (laughs) baseball super
0: weird
2: (laughs) it was super gross like dude stop it yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. well Mulder's Mulder's a mess
1: let's let's admit
0: let's admit For the the sake of our conversation, that Mulder is a mess.
3: Yes, he is. Right, and
0: that's the whole. Yeah. That's the conceit of the series is that Mulder is yeah. a mess, and that.
3: But he's right. Scully's <laughs> gonna come.
0: Yeah. You know, dial him, dial him back. Yeah.
2: You know where the tension gets, re- where the tension really does get, like very, very physical. Is there's an episode? Um, I think it might be in the same season as Arcadia. It's called The Unnatural. It's the one that David Duchovny wrote and uh, and directed, and it's like it's all about this old case where like this alien and roswell is like masquerading as a baseball player for like for like the negro league and it's not it's not a great episode necessarily but at the end Mulder brings out scully and he kind of shows her like here's how you swing a bat for a baseball and like he's like he's holding her and like getting her to swing the bat and it's like dude you don't need to be standing behind her holding her while she's swinging the bat like she's got it on her own but like she's okay with him holding her and it's like it's clear like there's a lot of close physical contact there it's very intimate and they're both okay with it and you're like okay these guys are beyond the point of no return. <laughs> like, there's like, like this is not a matter of if it's simply a matter of when and the when is soon. <laughs> like there, <laughs> there, there are pre quick tremors all over the scene, all over the scene. I think right? she's grinding. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, like, exactly. You know? So anyway, anyway, cool. Uh, well, look, b- before we wrap up a final thought, most moment of truth episodes involve topics that we could talk about off the top of our heads. Uh, but some episodes require us to go back and refamiliarize ourselves a bit with the source material. This is especially true of episodes where we cover an entire TV show, like The X-Files. So I always enjoy these deep dives because they're a great way to reacquaint myself with content that's been in my head for a really long time. But that wasn't the case with The X-Files so much. This is a show that I knew about more than I actually knew. I had watched it when it first came out, but the heyday of this show was during a time when, frankly, I didn't have TV a whole lot. So my watching of it was sporadic at best, which incidentally probably explains why I always enjoyed the Monster of the Week episodes more than the mythology episodes. Because I knew early on there's no way I'd be able to keep up with the narrative, So I just bailed on it. But as a result, I was fairly unable to take part in the whole like global water cooler talk about the show because I simply missed out on too much of it. So when it came time for me to jump back into the show, you know, in an age of streaming where you can consume an entire show, I'm like, right, I am ready. Or, or was I? The truth was, there was no way I could get through all 11 seasons of the show in time for this episode. So once again, I cherry-picked my way through it, and I watched the episodes I remembered enjoying the first time, and then I watched a lot of the episodes that were kind of widely agreed upon by a, a large number of people to be sort of the best of the best. So as of this moment, there remains rather large holes in my X-Files viewing history. In fact, there's probably far more of the X-Files that I haven't seen than what I have seen. Uh, My familiarity with the show is a bit like so many of Mulder and Scully's case files themselves, enough bits and pieces of evidence and anecdote to suggest the shape of a thing, but not enough to fully know all of its details. And you know what, I kind of like that. Earlier this season, I mentioned how I had resolved to finish reading the culture novels of Ian M. Banks, but I'm not sure I'll ever go back and watch all of the X-Files. So much of this show's greatness stems from the things that we don't really know or never see. I don't really know when Mulder and Scully became an item. I just realized at some point they were one. I don't really know the full details of the alien colonization myth arc, but that's okay because nobody else does either. And I don't need to know the exploits of every single monster of the week that Mulder and Scully faced. I'm just grateful that they spent a decade doing it. So even though the door remains open to the possibility of there being more X-Files episodes or movies, The capital T truth of this show is that it can never have a binding narrative conclusion. The best this show can ever do is to simply stop giving us glimpses into its world. Because to provide a true narrative end to the X-Files would suggest that every mystery has been solved. That every monster has been discovered. That there is no more truth out there to be found. And really, is that a kind of world that any of us want to live in? Of course not. This has been Moments of Truth. On behalf of myself, Tom, Chris, and Joe, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Moments of Truth is hosted by Bill Coffin, Chris Crenshaw, Tom Hespos, and Joe Pace. This podcast is edited by Derek Eisenhart. For more Moments of Truth, be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you get your favorite podcasts, or visit us at www.momentsoftruth.show. And before you go... Please check out Joe's award-winning, best-selling novel, Moss, described by Kirkus Reviews as, quote, an excellent and thoughtful exploration of art, ambition, and mortality, as the illegitimate son of a literary giant deals with love, loss, and the struggle to find himself. Order Moss today through Amazon.com or your local bookseller.